0: Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. It's so good to be here with you on this very special Sunday, this first day of the new year. I don't know quite how. It's January 1st already, but um, it's awesome to enter into the new year with you. Thank you for being here. So as Janine mentioned a few weeks ago, um, we learned a a new Christmas term, Christmas Adam, uh, which, you know comes before Christmas Eve and Adam came before Eve and anyway so that makes so much sense right very clever and then um, Nick talked to us about Christmas tide so it's sort of this this day of uh, new calendar terms. Um, I recently learned a new calendar term which is called Twixmas and this is the period between Christmas and New Year's Day um, a time of the year during which society tends to take a collective exhale, following the fullness that tends to accompany the holidays, but before things get busy in the new year. For many of us, 2022 was a year of busy. Busy like we haven't seen since before the pandemic, with a return to more travel, more in-person events, more in-person work, and so many other things which were frozen before COVID, A few years ago, Ted bought concert tickets for us, which was originally scheduled for September 2nd in 2021. Well, it finally happened on September 3rd of this year, and so stuff is happening again, the fun stuff to the not-so-fun stuff, to everything in between. And um, we're sort of thawing out, as David Haley so aptly put it, as we're moving on and through this pandemic. And so, as more things are happening and we look towards the new year, there's really no signs of slowing down. And so in this brief season, as we emerge from the fullness of the holidays and of 2022, and before we dive into the fullness of regularly scheduled programming in 2023, we're setting aside this special Sunday to invite quiet into our hearts and our minds and our souls and to encounter God in that. And we're doing this as we sit in the in-between of full schedules and the precipice of a new year, and also a Sunday between teaching series. Today we'll reflect on the importance of and encounter the silence. Last week, we concluded our Advent teaching series, The Herald, In it, we celebrated and looked towards Jesus' coming by tracing John the Baptist's birth, message, and ministry. John was the long-awaited prophet, whom we're told in Luke 1.17 will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Our passage today illuminates the importance of quiet, seen in an account involving Elijah the prophet whom John went on in the spirit and power of, the prophet whom John was mistaken to be, given their prophetic connection, the prophet with similar lifestyle and clothing as John, and even had a common ministry setting as him in the wilderness. In fact, the wilderness is where we find Elijah as we start up today, running and hiding for his life from an enraged Jezebel. Please turn with me, if you like, to 1 Kings chapter 19 in verse 9. There he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Here we find Elijah, fearful for his life and the target of Jezebel's wrath. He'd just been a part of a massive showdown on Mount Carmel to reveal the one true God the one who'd respond by sending fire down to consume an offering. Before all of Israel, for six hours, the the 450 prophets of Baal beseech their God to no avail. And then, after stacking the odds against himself, Elijah prays a simple prayer, and God responds by sending consuming fire. When Jezebel heard about this, that Elijah slaughtered her beloved prophets. She was furious. As of all worshipper, the killing of those priests was personal. And so she threatened Elijah. She threatened him with the same fate as those slaughtered prophets. And here we find him at the end of a very long journey to get as far away from Jezebel as he could. His trek took him from Jezreel, which is in the valley between Mount Carmel and the Sea of Galilee, all the way to the southern city of Beersheba, which is at the bottom of the Promised Land. This is a distance of about 100 miles. And then he continues on another day's journey further south to a lonely spot beside a small bush at which God met and fortified him with food and drink. And then... On he went for another 40 days and 40 nights, going even further south until he arrived at a cave on Mount Horeb. It has been quite the physical journey. Elijah's also been on quite the spiritual journey. He sat under that small bush, and as he did so, he was done. He prayed he'd die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, I am no better than my ancestors, he says. Elijah experienced this deep inner turmoil, even after having just been used by God to platform a radical display of might in front of all of Israel on another mountain not too long ago. Yet, Elijah was so deeply broken And so God attended to him, and he mended and ministered to Elijah. He met his physical needs with bread and water. And God met his spiritual needs by revealing himself to Elijah. He revealed himself to Elijah and prepared him and guided him. Let's continue on in verse 11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. God led Elijah to a high place, and he met him there. The motif of God meeting with people in high places is seen throughout scripture, from Eden to the mountaintop upon which Noah's ark sat. There was the high mountain where Jesus in glory appeared to Peter and James and John. And there was the mount on which Jesus delivered a very special sermon in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, just to name a few. In fact, God spoke to Moses on this self-same mountain to which he led Elijah centuries prior. Here on Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, also known as the mountain of God. In selecting this location, perhaps God wanted to remind Elijah of revelations past as he provides revelations anew. Let's go to the mountain of God and see how he reveals himself to Elijah. Continuing on in verse 11, we read, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. God wasn't in the storm of the wind, which tore the mountains and shattered the rocks and he wasn't in the thunder of the earthquake. Nor was he in the heat of the fire, such as what he sent down on Mount Carmel not so long ago. God wasn't in the dramatic. Three times he told Elijah he wasn't in them. Rather, God revealed himself in the barely audible, in the silence, in the gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, He pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? After recognizing God's presence, Elijah covers his face and he walks to the opening of the cave. And he hears God ask, what is doing here? A second time. Elijah was asked this exact question before the elements moved and before the elements stilled. Well, Elijah responds to this exact same question in the exact same way. He says he'd been loyal to the Lord, yet the Israelites had fallen so very short, abandoning their agreement with God. And now, Elijah is alone in his mission and his life is in danger. Ah, repetition. Even after a a mighty, demonstrable display and also a quiet, holy one, and all that was conveyed through these things, God knew to ask Elijah again, what are you doing here? So many times I've had repeated conversations with God with verbatim questions and verbatim answers around parenting around my job, my relationships, my identity, and my sense of self. I'm often in these repeated loops with God, and you know, it's really comforting for me experiencing God's persistence and patience and his unchanging nature. Do you trust my daily bread? I'll try. Remember, you are my beloved. Right now, I feel so unworthy, but I will try to remember. So God asks Elijah the same question again, and Elijah provides the same response again. He continues to sound very much alone and very much done. But this time, following Elijah's response, God communicates differently. He communicates that Elijah is very much not done, and he gives him new mission and ministry orders, instructing him to go back to the northern kingdom, to go back the way that he came, and anoint a successor in the realm of international politics who would replace an adversary in Damascus. And in national affairs, there would be a new king, And spiritually, he was to anoint Elisha, who would support and then succeed Elijah as prophet. As well, God says he's reserved 7,000 in Israel who've not bowed down to Baal. So Elijah is certainly not alone, and he is certainly not done. Here, atop a high and holy mountain, Elijah hears God's voice, Here, Elijah encounters God in the whisper. How easy it is to miss God in the whisper between busyness and stress, overconfidence, and countless other reasons. It can be really, really hard not to not only experience the quiet, but to actually embrace it to embrace it in order to encounter God in the unique ways that he meets us in intentional pauses. Pause is important, and it's invited in this Hebrew word selah. This word is found 74 times in scripture. It's found 71 times in the book of Psalms and three times in the book of Habakkuk, often at the end of a verse or a chapter, in places where a period might be found. While scholars haven't agreed on its meaning, through its context, we see that Selah provides space to stop and consider or reflect on what was said or sung, and experience an interlude or a pause of sorts. From time to time, we have Selah Sundays at Highway, and here, we press into a pause. We do this in order to create some intentional space to connect with God in unique or fresh ways outside of our regular rhythms. Today, as we stand in the interlude between the fullness of the year past and the fullness of the year to come, and the noise and activity of 2022, as we emerge from that, in a sense it can feel like windstorm, earthquake, and fire. And so this morning, we're going to take some time together now to go to the entrance of the cave and to look at it and experience calm and pause and listen to God who speaks to his people in the silence. A great way to listen to God with quieted hearts and minds is a practice called centering prayer. Centering prayer puts us in receiving mode. Here we turn the agenda over to God and engage with our hearts rather than our minds. And as we do so, we experience him by sitting in his presence and listening for what he has for us in the silence. And centering prayer can last for a little or a long time, from a few minutes to 20 minutes or more, When new to this prayer, it's often helpful to start on the shorter end and to work one's way up, because sitting in inner silence can take some getting used to, as it stands in stark contrast to what tends to be the pervasive and relentless noise of life. This noise, this is the air that we breathe. It's what surrounds us. And so, as we enter into a new year, Perhaps God might be calling you to consider ways or or new ways to pause in order to encounter him with intention. Perhaps centering prayer or something else might be what the Spirit is inviting you to integrate into a rhythm, perhaps in the morning, as a way to make space and encounter God and to hear his words, which, as we see through Elijah, can guide And heal. This morning, we'll engage in a centering prayer together. We'll do it for five minutes. And here's how it works. We'll start off by choosing a sacred word. This word will be like a compass that calls you back to inner silence. And because you'll use it often, often a shorter or simpler word is more helpful. So for example, Abba or Emmanuel, or spirit, or peace. Then, we'll have five minutes of time in silence. In this time, be with God. Make yourself available to him. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, listen for God's whispers. Now, distractions are inevitable. And when they emerge, no worries. Just give them a gentle notice and then give them a gentle goodbye. As you return to your sacred word, return to listening to what God has for you. Typically, when doing a centering prayer, it's good to set a timer to know when you're done. Sometimes folks fall asleep. That's okay, too. However, today, um, at the end of our time of silent prayer, we'll close our time In spoken prayer, after our five minutes in silence together, we will say the Lord's Prayer together. So are we ready? Wonderful. So I'd like to start off by asking you to find a relaxed and comfortable position in your chair. Feel free to close your eyes if you like. And now... Take notice of your breathing and feel the natural flow of your breath as you breathe in and as you breathe out. Become aware of God's presence with you. now take a moment and identify a sacred word. And when you're comfortable, silently introduce the sacred word into your time with God. Let's enter into a time of silence. for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.